0: on uh, Wednesday nights in the prayer meeting. We also have a short devotion, and we've been going through the book of Acts on Wednesday night. And, and it's interesting how the book of Acts gives us a historical account of the, the church that was in Galatia. And and it was in this region of Galatia that, that uh, Paul was stoned and beaten and left for dead. And then uh, came back into that area uh, a few years later, and then came back into the area again. Visited them on three different occasions, and and so these people were very uh, near and very dear to his heart, and and wanting them to grow and to to learn what God's word says and what it means to be a believer and to walk with God, and challenging them in in their walk, and then to uh, uh, challenging others to believe the gospel and. Trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and 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 so pointing out that they're a sinner in need of that one that made that perfect sacrifice, Jesus Himself, and that if you call upon Him, trusting in Him by faith, that He will save you and forgive you of your sins and be your Savior, and you you rest in the the knowledge of He being your Savior and and knowing that He forgives you and and calling and trusting Him that He will and. And so he's gone in and he and he's seen this church started and, and so now he goes in and he starts preaching to them and and encouraging them. And then while he's gone, we, we see this group of people that have come in that are Judaizers, we might call them, and and they have uh tried to teach doctrine other than the the faith and and trust in Jesus as their savior and and trying to to cause all kinds of discord, and and have caused a lot of discord along the way, and and in that they've slandered him, and uh, slandered Paul, and they've slandered those that were pastors that were uh, trying to teach them the truth of God's word, and and so many of them were falling prey to this evil teaching, and falling prey to the slander that they were hearing and starting to believe some of those things. They were mistreating one another in the, in the church itself and mistreating their pastor that they had at the time. And, and so there was just all kinds of turmoil that was going on. And so Paul was writing this to help straighten all of that out. And we had gotten to chapter 5 and chapter five, and, and chapter 6. We, he was uh, writing to remind them of the freedoms that they have in Christ, and that they need to, to stand in that freedom and stand against the deception that so many were trying to teach, and that they needed to walk in the Spirit. You know, if if we as believers will walk in the Spirit, then we will have a discerning attitude. We we will have a discerning mind, and and we will understand more of what's truth and what's what's false, and and we can understand more of what God wants us to do, and and truly live in a way that is honoring to God as we walk in the Spirit. Well, as we walk in the Spirit, he showed us that a result of that is in the, the first five verses that we already looked at, is that we will bear one another's burdens. <clears throat> now, we have responsibilities that all of us have to keep in mind and, and take care of ourselves, but, but we also, as a church body and as a family, that we truly need to be we will help one another in carrying their burdens and and that, that is a part of walking in the spirit and being the kind of uh, church body that God wants us to be and and so what a blessing that is to know and what a blessing it is to see that in our church family you know i i um been in the ministry a long time but one of the things that that takes a, a lot of toll on you are our funerals <clears throat> and um, it, it, I, I don't know maybe it's just me, but I put a lot of a lot of thought into those and and especially if it's someone in your church and you see them go on to glory and and you praise the Lord for professions of faith and knowing that they're in heaven but but it does wear heavy on you as you uh, deal with that loss and you deal with the family and you deal with the grief and 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 uh, how heavy that burden is and you know, in the last three weeks, we've done three funerals, and now we're going to be doing another one. And uh, it does grow heavy, and it's a, and it is a burden. But but let me tell you that that when when you come and you and you wrap your arms around the family members and and you pray for them and you send them texts and you call them and you visit with those that have have lost loved ones, then. I'm telling you, that's when they truly understand what a church family is all about. And and you guys have done well at that in reaching out to those that have lost and, and to encourage them and and pray for them. And and we need to keep doing that because that is one of the uh wonderful ways that we can bear one another's burdens and and help them along the way and and be praying for them. But but here we see that this church had had gotten so focused on, on all these other issues that, that these guys had infiltrated in with. And, that, and, the, and the biggest thing was they were so legalistic in, in their ideas and in their teachings. Now, in, in legalism, legalism is the idea that you must do certain things in order to be saved. And so whether it be following traditions, whether it be following man-made rules that, that they have set up, whatever it may be, that that you have to achieve a certain level of goodness in your life and in your behavior in in order to to, uh, have a presence in heaven. And, And they teach this. And and they were teaching that and, and you know what, what happens when you have a, a legalistic church that is going that way, then what they start focusing on is everything that you are doing, and they start putting it on a on on this mark of of right there's the level that you have to get to in order to be in heaven. And we're gonna make up the rules in order to get to that level, and you're gonna have to live according to all of these. In order to get to heaven, and and what you end up doing then is you have a congregation that that first of all they're insecure, and so because they're insecure, they start looking at themselves and then looking at what everybody else is doing, and they start comparing themselves to everyone else that is out there. And Paul says that's not biblical at all. Don't be comparing yourself with others that are around you, but. You'd be looking at your Savior and the relationship that you have with Him. But they start looking at that, and then they start looking at one another. And pretty soon, there is absolutely no love in a legalistic church. And we shouldn't even call it a church, because it truly doesn't represent God in any way whatsoever. And so that's what had happened here. And they were slandering Paul and they were starting to believe these, these false believers and, and, and then they had quit carrying and, and, and carrying one another's burdens and, and they had stopped walking in the Spirit and they started walking in the flesh and they were, they, they were considering themselves to be holy by, based upon what they were doing and, and, and Paul had even told them that if you think yourself to be something when you are nothing, you deceive yourself. And so here we see the issues that were going on. Well, it, it went even further, and 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 uh, you know, guys are afraid to preach on this, and and I'm not afraid to preach on it. We're going to hit it here in a minute, and and I guess if I kick everybody off, well, good. Have a great week, all right? But uh, you, you know what? What we find out is that. That whenever we start preaching and teaching to those that are carnal and those that are fleshly or, or those that don't want to hear certain things out of God's Word, that, that you're going to get mad at me. Look, I don't want you to be mad at me, but if you're going to be mad at somebody, be mad at me. okay? And, and so that way you're not mad at everybody else. You see, one of the other problems that they had is they not only did they not bear one another's burdens, but they quit taking care of their pastor. And they thought, you know what, if this turkey is going to to preach this word and, and this turkey is going to, to preach what Paul has taught us and that, that he's going to do this and he's not going to listen to the slanderers, that he's not going to listen to the politicians, that that he's not going to listen to those that are politically correct, that he's not going to listen to those that are that, that are afraid to hurt your feelings and and, and afraid to come over too harsh, and they're, and they're afraid that they're going to lose their congregation, and whatever it may be, if, if he's not going to do this, then we will starve him out. You know, I found out a long time ago, a long time ago, that this is God's church, not mine. And I have a responsibility to teach all of God's Word or not some of it i don't like either but i'm going to take it and i'm going to preach it and i'm going to do my best to live it according to god's word so if this hits you between the eyes today well good <clears throat> and i'll work on my compassion later first of all though he says and there there are four b's four verbs the, the word be, a verb four things that four uh, things of, of action that we ought to do Verse 6, he's going to show them, and in showing them, he's going to show us, be generous to the pastor. says in verse 6, let him that is taught in the Word. Hopefully that is you. Hopefully I am preaching the Word of God. Hopefully I am teaching the Word of God. Hopefully we are hearing what it is that God's Word says and that it's not some soapbox, that it's not some ideal that I have and and things that I want or that I want to see achieved, but it's truly what it is that, that God's Word is saying. He says, so let him, you that are taught in the Word, communicate, to share. And in this we see that share materialistically. Now, we're not talking about what, what, what Olstein is saying about you need to be blessed of God by buying me a $63 million jet. However, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> I hate to fly, so, but that would get me out of the airport, so I wouldn't have to go through the molestation line every time you go there. But uh, anyway, forget that, all right? Moving on. That isn't what this is about but it is to communicate. And that is exactly what he's talking about here. To share and to participate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Look, there there is no responsibility to take care of a man of God if he's not being a man of God. If he's not preaching until the Word of God. If he's not showing you that this is the Word and this is what we need to do and this is how we ought to live and and whether society says it or not, this is what we need to do. Then then if he's not doing that, then get him out of there. Don't leave the church. Get him out of the church. Throw him out. Don't leave. But but get rid of him. But if he is teaching the Word of God, then you have a responsibility take care of him. It, it's not some, some, some uh, convention somewhere that that has some, some board of directors somewhere in some other city that, that deals with all of that. Look, some of those things might be good for some reasons, but there is nowhere in the Scripture that it says you ought to be that way. It shows me in the Scriptures that every church ought to be autonomous, self-governing, to themselves, to God only, and to this congregation. And so we need to be that way, and we need to understand that it is your responsibility then to take care of what we have and what we're doing to reach this community. And one of the number one issues is to take care of your pastor. Now, I praise the Lord you do. And I thank God for that. You have always been a generous church, and I. And, and, and truly, through the years and, and through the preaching and teaching of this, it's like preaching to the choir, but we have a lot of new people that come along and, and a lot of young Christians that, that need to know and understand that you will never, ever, ever go wrong in giving to God's local church. Never. Never. You won't go wrong in doing that. If that local church is doing what God has called you to do, and you're being obedient to that, and I'm not talking about what we saw in, in Connections this morning, about nitpicky, trivial things that do not matter, and you pull away your money because, I, I, I don't know, you, you quit giving because, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you think the church has gotten too big, and you want a small church, and I'm going to quit giving to it, so maybe it'll go back to smaller. Well, good luck with that. And so, but here, we see that, that God has given us the explanation of this. In Deuteronomy 25, and verse 4, we see the principle stated, and it says, in Deuteronomy 25, 4, thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. And so he'd go log, and then he would tread on the corn, and, 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 and uh, in doing so, he could eat as he went, and, and uh, you kept feeding him. Well, Paul then uses this because the Corinthians were, were uh, known for doing the same thing. And, and Paul went into the, you know, I, I've heard preachers use this because <clears throat> I'm going I'm to give my opinion, okay? Just my opinion so you can take it or leave it. If you ever have a pastor that enjoys working a secular job more than doing the ministry, let him go do the secular job. I, I heard it in college years ago Charles Spurgeon said it, if you are better at something other than the ministry and you enjoy something more so than the ministry, go do it. Go do it. And so because we're, we're going to see that, that the man of God, the one that has given his life and knows that God has called him to do this and to be in that ministry full time, then you need to allow him to be full time in doing so. Now, if he's stupid with his money, uh, you know, that's another thing, all right? But, but if he's right with God, he's not going to be. But in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 9, this is what he says. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it all together for our sakes? And, and um, well, I'll just go ahead and read through verse 14. Or saith he it all for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. I laugh at this. I'll I'll move on. You know what he's saying? He said that guy that is coming in and he's preaching the gospel and 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 he's pastoring the people, then then he ought to plow in hope and understanding that there will be a harvest. And not only a spiritual harvest, but that he's going to be paid for his efforts in, in what he's doing. And and we have always done very good in, in helping our, our guests that come through. I, I haven't, I, I don't know of how many of our guest speakers that have come through and have been floored at your generosity and what we give them as a love offering. And, and, I, and one good friend of mine told me, he said, Brother, he said, if everybody could understand the, the idea of giving generously like your church does. It would give us so much more liberty in what we can do and where we can go and, and how we can go about doing those things and 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 I praise the Lord for this, but I knew a a guest speaker that went into a church and he preached a week of meetings, and you know what his love offering was? a book, a book. I had to laugh I really did I laughed when he told me the story, friend of mine and and that was his offering that he got and i you know i Anyway, I thought it was funny. He didn't think it was so funny. But, you know, I don't know how you're going to pay a bill on, on a book. But uh, anyway, that's the idea that some churches have. And if he plows, he ought to be able to plow in hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Should we not receive that which is material? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Paul went in and he said, you know what? You guys are so carnal that I'm going to come in here, and I'm going to set up a tent, and I'm going to, he was a tent maker, and he sold tents to make a living, and he said, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make a living doing that. And I've heard preachers say that, well, I just need to, to have this job to supplement my income and, and make, make ends meet, and, and you know what, sometimes you do need to do that, but the goal always ought to be to, to work it into where you are full time and doing what you have been called to do. Paul said, the reason that I'm a tent maker is because you are carnal and you're going to use as an excuse and you're going to blame this on me and you're not going to have any excuse from me whatsoever in your carnality. And then he goes on, do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar Back in the day when the temple was used and and back before Christ had died on the cross and they and they had the priest, you understand that 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 the priests were given a salary that that they were given meat to eat, that they were given a city to live in and then it also tells us that they didn't start until they were thirty and they retired when they were fifty and the and the Jews took care of them rest of their lives and so here he's pointing out that you as a church body. Now look, I'm not saying I'm retiring at 50. I'm already one year over that. I have no, I have no in, in, uh, inclinations to ever retire. I pray that God takes me out with my boots on. And so, but, but here, I, I'm just saying and pointing out history and what they were doing. And so he says, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. There are a lot of churches and I pastored a bunch of them when I was in Missouri years ago that always wanted to use the excuse, well, we're just such a small church that we just can't afford to, to, to pay our pastor. The reason that you can't pay your pastor is because you don't give anything to give to the pastor. We need to be willing to understand that there is something much bigger than us and there's something much bigger than our recreation, that there's something much bigger than a new car or a fancier new home and a bigger 401K is that we need to be giving to God's work and understanding that that is what's going to last for eternity. Oh, we have, we have lost sight of, of these things in our lives. And men don't preach on giving of the tithe anymore. They don't preach on giving of the offerings anymore. And they're afraid that everybody's going to get upset. Well, get upset, but you need to do the right thing. And it's not for me. Look, you guys take plenty good care of me. And even if you did, God would. But God wants to bless you. And I'm not talking about the kind of blessings that, that the trashy TV evangelists are telling you today. You know, the best thing you can do is turn off your TV, turn off your internet, quit listening to the junk that is out there, even when you think they're good. You know nothing about their lives, whatever. What you are seeing is exactly what they want you to see. And get you and your family into the local church and understand that that pastor deals with the same issues that you deal with and that we together in a local, autonomous church, we decide where our money goes and how it's used to reach and to better our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the pastor's got to be taken care of. If he doesn't, he, uh, he struggles. First Timothy 5, verses 17 and 18. Paul writing to Timothy, a young man. He said, let the elders, that's the pastors, that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. You want to be biblical? You know, I always heard, I love how guys like to justify things, and, 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 and I guess I love when I get to a passage like this, I can, you know, you want to preach it your whole life, you know? Today is the day. Today is a day, right? <clears throat> but I remember, I've, I've heard this, I don't know how many times, I heard this taught in college, Bible college, and it's wrong. They would say, you know what you need to do is you need to take an average of all the working families that are that that are in the uh, uh, the church, and you need to take the salaries that that each one of those people are making and and you, you, then you need to find the average of what all the families are making and, and, and take the average, and then that's what the pastor ought to make is right in the average of what everybody else in the congregation makes. That way he doesn't live above the people or he doesn't live below the people. You show me where that's scriptural. You know what you need to do is you need to do that, and you take the average, and then you double it. That's what he says. That is what he says. I've told pastors that. I've told professors that. You're going to teach it, then teach it right. And teach that that, that pastor, the, the last thing he needs to worry about is whether he's going to eat today or not. Hard to swallow sometimes, but counted worthy of double honor, double pay. That is what he's saying. May I say that, you know, there are times where I get convicted because I don't feel like I do enough. And I always, always, always have tried, and for years and years, I even, I even kept a log in, in my office of, of hours spent that, so that I would know that I'm not ripping you guys off. At minimum, I always felt like at minimum I ought to do 40 hours. But most of the time, it ought to be closer to 50, 60, and sometimes it's 70 hours and And how do you though, you know and, and I quit doing this because and, and and I know that that i I don't do the best, okay but how how do you how do you add the time spent when you wake up at two in the morning and you start praying for your congregation or you or you're praying for someone that you know that's hurting? Do you write that in a log do you do you consider the time where even if you have a, a day off like Memorial Day, but all day long your thoughts are on the funeral that you're going to have the next day and how you can be a blessing and a help to the family. I mean, if a pastor is truly doing what he ought to be do, doing, the, the money truly doesn't matter. But it, it truly is nice to know that you don't have to be worried about where, where it's coming from. And you don't have to go out and work six other jobs to make sure that you make a living. And so we see that the pastor needs to be well taken care of. Look over at Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, I want to show you something else. And you're going to to see a lot of reasons why my philosophy is what it is through some of the verses that we see today. But it tells us in Hebrews 13, verse 17... Obey them that have the rule over you. Obey has the idea to follow, to follow. <clears throat> you know, I, I, uh, I, saw, a, I saw, saw a show one time where this shepherd was um, laying out in the field with his sheep and there were a couple of coyotes standing out there and, and so he shot the coyotes because the sheep were all gathered up, and they're watching these coyotes, thinking, you know, these things are going to eat us. He shoots both of those coyotes and gets rid of them. And then it showed the sheep just kind of come up to the shepherd and more or less saying thank you. You know, there there are times where, as a pastor, that, that you, you stop something or you don't allow something that, might not necessarily be bad in itself, but through history and through experience and through advice of others because they've gone through that, you realize we just don't need to do this or this person just doesn't need to be doing this or whatever it may be. And and you shoot the coyote, not necessarily, you know, you're, you're stopping the threat, whatever it may be, and not necessarily... Does the whole flock come around you? Matter of fact, some of them stand out there and they're mad at you and said, Why did you have to shoot the coyote? He was just minding his own business. He wasn't gonna hurt us. And that does happen at times. And there are those that, that want to get upset. But here it tells us: obey them, follow, follow them. Look, I'm I'm not coming into your home and telling you how to raise your children. I'm not coming into your home and telling you, of, uh, you know, how you're to eat or how, you know, how you're living in that. Look, my responsibility is to give you the Word of God. It's your responsibility to take the Word of God and apply it to your life. I will do everything I can to help you apply it. But you gotta, You're going to have to be the one to do it. I'm, I'm not going to do that. But you still need to be willing to follow Him. And that is an imperative command. Follow them that have the rule over you. The one that leads you, that guides you, but also has the idea who regards you and considers you. Those that have that kind of a rule, you ought to be following them. Our society today wants nothing to do with any kind of local church authority. They don't want anything to do with with a church coming to you and saying, hey, look, you know what? I I saw you come out of Queen's Lounge and you were staggering drunk and you were making a fool of yourself and you were being an idiot in in your lifestyle and here you are, You first of all you claim to know Christ as your Savior and then secondly you're behaving like an unsaved person and thirdly you're a member of Platte Valley Baptist Church and you're going to say that that's okay. Look, I am coming to you to tell you that you don't need to be doing those things and we need to encourage one another not to do those things and, and to follow one another and there are people in our society today that do not want that kind of authority over their lives. They will say, I'll do whatever it is that I want to do. Leave me alone. I come there because I want to come and soothe my conscience and I want to worship. Well, we worship by applying what God's Word says. And part of it we see that we need to take care of the pastor, but not only do you take care of him materialistically, but... You also you follow him that have that rule that that truly is being biblical. And how do you know if he's being biblical, you'd be like the Brians and you get in the Word of God every day. And you challenge me along the way. I think it's great to be challenged. And submit yourselves. Yield and give away yourselves. That's a command, also. For they watch, they guard they care for, they're alert, and they're sleepless because they consider who you are and their responsibility of what they need to do as they that must give account. Whether you believe it or not, there's going to come a day when I will give an account for what I did as pastor of Platte Valley Baptist Church. Whether anybody else takes it seriously, I do. And I need to do so even more. And I need to understand the the sacrifices that need to be made and and, and understanding it's truly not a sacrifice at all, but, but to give myself to the ministry that God has called me, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. I uh, I caught myself about a year ago. I already gave that testimony. I don't need to go back over all of that's gone on the last year. But you know, you you when you go through some heavy moments in your life, I I've noticed some some things that you do and releases or whatever you might call it in dealing with with heavy responsibility or. Or things. And you know, one of the things I've noticed is that when I, when I really start getting stressed now, and this hasn't been until in the last year, but maybe I shouldn't share some personal stuff like this, but I do. But um, I caught myself, when you start thinking about certain things, I would sigh <sighs> like that. And I, and I caught myself doing this a few months ago. And it's like, you're thinking too much. You need to go back to, to praying and, and giving yourself to the Lord and trusting Him. Because pretty soon you... Well, there, there are times... And and I know that I can't, I can't explain everything as a pastor. I'm just hoping you can understand some of this. You know, you guys come. You come on Sunday. You know, you come on a Wednesday. You come Sunday night. Some of you come Sunday morning, wish you'd come more and, and, and understand more about what a church family is all about. It's not about a sacrifice of time. It's about giving yourself to God. But, but in all of that, I mean, the, the, this, is, this is who I am. I mean, I, I looked at leaving a number of years ago, and, and God showed me that, look, you need to be right where you are, because I called you there, and because of the people. And through that, God has changed my heart, and this is who I am, and I do love this ministry, and I love Morgan County, and I love the people that are here, and and, and truly, the the older I get, the more uh, uh, important it is to me, and 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 pushes me more to to reach more and more in in this area because of of the love that God gives you for this but there are times there are times when when you show someone the scripture and, and they choose not to follow you, they don't want any authority in their life, and, and you watch what they're doing in their lives, and you see what they're doing to their family, and you know that they're going to be coming back knocking on your door because their marriage is going to go down the, the toilet. You know that their kids are going to head out in a different direction, and you know it, and you can see it, and you've watched it happen over and over and over, and they still choose to go the other way, and it's heavy. And they say, God says, just don't do that. They do give an account. And it ought to be enjoyable, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. It's not good if that's all the pastor is dealing with is putting out fire after fire after fire You know, there's no growth. There's nothing going on in a church when all you're doing is putting out fire after fire after fire. But there's such a blessing when people are right with God and they they love the pastor for who he is, your pastor. I mean, he's a dork at times. You know, I say things that are going to tick you off. I'm going to do things at times. I sold my Dodge and bought a Ford, you know. (laughs) but you know we we just need to we need to do what we do out of love these galatians had forgotten that they had totally forgotten anything about love and they had totally forgotten that 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 one that was teaching them the word truly loved them and wanted them to grow and wanted them to be what god wants them to be And so I hope that everybody here always knows that through all the years, whatever God's given us to left together. But secondly, verses 7 and 8, and we'll hurry through the rest of this, be sure to sow to the Spirit. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Schofield made this statement, and I'm not sure that Schofield was a Baptist. Schofield was a gap theorist. Schofield probably wasn't everything that that I would necessarily endorse, and so maybe I should make that clear. I was uh, uh, critiqued about that. If you're going to quote somebody, we need to make sure that you know that we don't necessarily agree 100% with them. That's nitpicky, I'm just saying. But uh Schofield made this statement, the Spirit is not speaking here to sinners about their sins, but to saints about their meanness. Look at what he says. He he says, first of all, verse 7, be not deceived. Stop. This is a command. He's telling the Galatians, you need to stop being deceived. You need to stop listening to those that are telling you that 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 Paul is a slanderer, that the one that's teaching you the Word of God is wrong, and that you need to go back to the Judaistic teachings, that you need to be legalistic, and, and you need to make sure that everybody is crossing their T's and dotting their I's just the way that they ought to. And, if they're not dressing the way that you think that they ought to, that, that they're wrong and that they're if they're doing this, that they're wrong. And if they're not doing this, that they're wrong. And, and he says you need to stop being deceived and you need to stop being deceived that you can starve out the preacher and that, that you can move him on down the road and that you don't need to give him anything anymore and that you don't need to show him any respect anymore, but you need to stop being deceived in all of this because God is not wrong. Mocked. Look, I'm here because God called me to be here, and there are nine thousand other things that I could probably do. I'd have to learn, but this is what God's called me to do. And so, and as long as I do it the right way, then don't listen to those that say he needs to take a, he needs to take a hike. Stop being deceived, because all you're doing is mocking God. God will do whatever he needs to. If I become a complete idiot, you ought to vote me out. If you don't vote me out, I pray God kills me and saves the church. Whatever. Whatever he needs to do. But here we need to understand that be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. I know that I ought to give to the church, but I really want that new 40-foot fifth wheel. I need that Bayliner boat to go on behind it. And of course now I need the $80,000 truck to pull it. And I know that I ought to give more to God, but that $3,000 a month mortgage is just killing me. And I just got to do this, and because... This is our home, and and of course God said that that we need to have a stable home, and so we're going to spend it on that. And and by God's grace, Dave Ramsey has said that I need to put 25% in my 401K every month to to make it, and bless God, Dave Ramsey's got to be right on everything. You want to sow to that? which is going to corrupt and one day will no longer be worth anything whatsoever? Or do you want to sow to that which is eternal? Hey, I like a nice truck probably as much or probably more than most. I mean, I, I see one of those new Ford F-250s king ranch crew cab maroon has that big sunroof that goes all the way back i mean it's got 22 inch tires on it no lift kit it's just big thought, yeah be all right much as a house you know i i do understand and but over i guess when you hit 50 maybe but also through All the things that have gone on in the past year, none of it matters. None of it. Just be gone with all of it and let's reach people for eternity. Let us give to help others to see their need of a Savior and that they need to trust Him. And then not only do you need to trust Him as your Savior, but you need to live for Him. Man, this life is full of disappointments. This life is full of trash. You know, the thing I'd do, I'd go out there and spend $82,000 on that new truck. I'd drive it in here and the axle would fall off. God would do that just to show me, you know what? All that stuff, it don't last. It don't last. So what are you going to do? So, to the flesh, shall of the flesh... Reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. You know, I've seen about every funeral whether you spent $1,000 on a pine box, however, now pine boxes are even more expensive than other coffins. I'm going to build my own, that'll look really nice. I'm not a carpenter. But all the way up to that $10,000 coffin, you know what? They all go in the ground. And they all get covered up. And no one will remember a year or two later or even what color your coffin was. But they'll remember. When you sat at their bedside and led them to the Lord, they'll remember whenever they were having an issue Maybe they were fighting an addiction. You came to their home. You sit down and you prayed with them. You drug them out of the bar. Said, you just don't need to be here. You need to go home. And I'm going to be a friend to you and I'm going to hold you accountable and you're not going to do it anymore. And I'm going to help you. And they're going to remember those days. They're going to remember when you gave them biblical advice and biblical counsel on why you don't leave your husband, or why you don't leave your wife. And later on, when your marriage is strong and God is blessing it, you'll look back and see the eternal dividends of someone that cared enough to make an eternal difference. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. You know, we're out of time, but Luke 18, 1 through 7, don't be weary in praying. Your prayers can make a difference. Don't quit praying. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 3 and verses 13 through 18 Don't be weary in standing for the gospel of Christ. Ephesians 3, 9 through 21. Don't be discouraged. God hears, He watches, and He rewards beyond our expectations. 2 Thessalonians 3, all of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Don't be weary in well-doing. And so let us not be weary in well-doing For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And so don't be weary. And then verse 10, one I have to work on. (laughs) Just be nice. Be good to everyone. Not always easy, is it? But look at this. This is what, as we have, therefore, opportunity... Do you know that word opportunity means the appointed time? The appointed time. Every time you run into someone is an opportunity. And it's an appointed time that God is using in your life to make a difference in someone else's. If you stand there and say, you're an idiot. You just blew your opportunity. Sometimes you really want to say that. But that's not what God wants us to do. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Do you remember that meme that was on Facebook this winter? Where it said, don't let me be the guy on the left. And it showed some stairs. And it showed half of the stairway was swept off and they did not sweep the other half for their neighbor. It was like a condo. And so let me not be like the guy on the left. Let us be good to one another and especially those of the household of God. What does the world think? if we come together and we fight like relatives or we fight like cats and dogs, what is the world thinking if we're acting just like them? We need to be different. And we need to be good. We need to be good unto all, but especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let us be the family of God that God will use. Let us forget the ideas of where we think everybody ought to be. Let us, first of all, focus on where we need to be, and then we can focus on help, helping that person where he's at to get to where he needs to be. No judgment, no condemnation, just love, and let us make a difference for eternity. That is something that That money cannot buy. Can't buy it. You can give everything to trying to find joy and happiness in this world everywhere. Go read the song, or go go read uh, Ecclesiastes. Solomon had it all. He said it's vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Let's give to the Lord. Let us take care of each other. And let us be the one that God will bless. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you even for what John Wesley said. He said, do all the good you can in all the ways you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Help us to heed the advice of John Wesley. Let us be good to one another. And Father, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for how they love my family and how they have shown respect to me even when I didn't deserve it. And Father, I thank you for their generosity. I thank you for their willingness to hear your word. And I pray that today that they take it to heart, each one of us starts looking at this world with the view of eternity. That we look at the view in the same eyes that you look through. That we love people like you do. That we have a burden for others like you do. And Father, we let all these other things set aside. We focus on you. I pray you search the hearts of each one who's here today. I pray you do a wonderful work in their lives. Use us, Father, to reach this community and make an impact worldwide by our obedience to you. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. I do want you to take a moment, 548.